Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Packaging Brothers podcast. Brandon here. Uh, we've got another episode, and today our guest is Catherine Madison. She's the founder of Dye Candy. What I love about Catherine is her perseverance in developing and launching a reusable uh, custom package uh, specifically for hair color applications. As you guys might have been able to tell by now, I love entrepreneurs and founders and their stories. And this is one that has, I believe, a great sustainable story since it's reusable. And there's a lot of waste that is created by the hair coloring industry. And then I just really like Catherine. I think her approach to life and business and family and all sorts of things are just really fascinating. So hope you guys enjoy the episode. Here we go. Well, hi, Catherine. Welcome to the Packaging Brothers podcast. Well, hi, Brandon. It's exciting to talk to you today. Yeah, thanks a lot for taking the time. So you are the founder of Dye Candy, and we um, had a little chat about it. And um, I'm really glad that you agreed to come on the show because I wanted... I wanted you to be able to tell your story about what you created, why you created it, any kind of background or reasons for it, I think would be would just be really good for our listeners to hear. So um, why don't we start off with just explaining what Dye Candy is? Yes. Well, Dye Candy is a company that I founded and under the umbrella of Dye Candy is our flagship product, which is the Hummingbird, which is a hair color applicator. And the reason this came to be was I spent 15 years in the salon industry, working in many different places, including in Saudi Arabia, where I worked for six years, kind of in in an illegal salon. But while I was there, I got to train a lot in London, so very highly trained, and then moved here to Portland, Oregon, where I stepped away from my salon career to take care of my family. And even though I had done thousands of applications during my career in the salon, I discovered that coloring my hair at home was a completely different experience than the very caring boutique feeling of getting your hair done. But aside from that experience being very different, I also discovered that applying color on your own head, working around your own head, the time that it took and the precision it was lacking with the tools that I had, I ended up pretty much wrecking my hair within a few months. It very much looked like that kind of overprocessed straw-looking hair. As someone that grew up in Southern California, where bleaching our hair was like the cool thing to do, that and like coral white necklaces and arnet sunglasses, ruined my hair multiple times doing that. So I get it. Yeah, you know the feeling and look that I'm I'm describing. But as a salon professional, used to having my hair looking pretty much like the best in the room. <laughs> this was <laughs> this was pretty horrifying. And I looked around too at, at what most home colorists were using. And I guess I really just didn't understand the whole you're using this disposable 
rigid bottle. It probably costs, you know, the, the big legacy companies just a few cents to make because it's only just meant to squirt color on the hair. And it does so pretty indiscriminately. And it was just pretty interesting. I thought, wow, this really is the applicator that my grandmother used to use and my mother used. And this is the applicator. That was the ground that I started on to develop a better applicator that could be used either for self-application or for any kind of liquid color in the salon. And I have to say, I mean, the design of it and the branding of, you know, kind of references to a hummingbird, I think are, I think are really cute. If you, if, if, um, if you're listening and able, please go to diecandy, D-Y-E candy.com. And uh, you'll be able to see what the applicator looks like. And I think one of the things that really caught my attention too is, you know, there in, in the hair coloring, hair care kind of industry, like there's a ton of what you're describing, like that single use packaging that is just, I mean, like billions of units world, you know, globally are probably being produced every year and mm-hmm. they're just being thrown away and they're not very effective and they're causing a ton of plastic waste. And so yours is fully reusable, right? Exactly. Yes, fully reusable. And in between my salon career, I was also in real estate for 12 years, which funded the whole making of the hummingbird. And I really got even more of a sense of design through that. I fell in love with mid-century architecture and mid-century furnishings. And I think that kind of guided the whole silhouette and the the beauty as a proud mama, I'm saying the beauty (laughs) of the design that, but the interesting thing, it is very form follows function. So every aspect of the the design is truly functional. Amazing. And just kind of curious, like what, like what has the feedback been so far since you've, how long has it been since you've launched it and what and what kind of has the feedback been? Yes, yeah, so primarily at this time we are marketing to the salon industry because that's where I was born and I I want to have their feedback and the validation of the salon professional and uh, so far, it's been really exciting. Hairdressers that have shown in on their Instagram feeds, there's just a, a stream of questions. What is that? Oh my God, I have to have that. And I I was just so excited seeing that for the first time. I can't tell you. Uh, that's, that's really great to hear. When designing custom packaging and manufacturing the design process, all of it can be pretty complex. How did you navigate all of the different aspects to doing that? And what was kind of your process for it? Oh, gosh, that's a really good question. I mean, I was completely naive. If I knew what I was getting into, maybe I wouldn't have started it. But I (laughs) is that right? Yeah. I mean, it's just a, a learning curve on everything. So to begin with, I picked up, I thought, I want a bottle that has a curve in the the application tip so you could part the hair with it. 
So I found one is called the scientific wash bottle. And I thought, well, I'll use this thing. And, but again, it just has, it has one straw that pulls up the material from the bottom and, and it recovers very slowly because there's only one tube that handles both the flow of the material and the air because the air has to come back in and recover the bottle. So that's the main problem in the traditional squeeze bottle. So I realized I needed some help now. So I found a local engineering firm. I knew if I went to too big a company, I wouldn't be able to afford it and I'd probably get lost in the shuffle. And I was just so lucky that I found this couple that works together. And I think they're both very talented and brilliant. And they worked with me. It's been almost 20 years now. And I'm still working with the same engineer. And yes, we finally did launch. But even he, his name is Monty Cook at Flathead. He said, this is one of the most uh, difficult products he's ever designed because everything had to fit together. The fit had to just be absolutely perfect for to keep the air, the flow working in the bottle. So between myself knowing what I wanted the performance to be and uh, Monty and many, many prototypes, we came upon a design that both was aesthetically pleasing and also really functional. So what we ended up creating was, which is also patented, is this double valve system that is hidden inside the applicator. So you're not seeing it is a very simple design that allows the air to come in and help the bottle recover while the color stays constantly loaded inside what looks like the beak of the hummingbird. And it's always at ready. Another interesting fun thing to source was the plastic that took about seven months. Um, So the squeeze part of the bottle took about seven months to source because I didn't want that rigid bottle that wouldn't recover. And I didn't want something soft that you would have to wait for it to recover. So the plastic had to be this perfect amount of snappiness in the recovery, yet soft in the hands. So it had good ergonomic qualities. And the manufacturer informed me that it wasn't their job to select that. I needed to tell them out of thousands of potentially plastic materials out there, what to use. Wow. How did you go about identifying which one? Was it just a bunch of different samples that were sent to you? Or Yeah, so good question. So they, they sent me sample after sample, and I had sent them some samples of things that I wanted it as a benchmark, but the things they sent me were all completely off. And then they, becoming exasperated and exhausted, Refused to make any more samples. (laughs) Oh, no. So this is where I think, you know, you have to be a really good problem solver if you set out to create any kind of product or start a company. There had been a plastic supplier that had been copied on a lot of our emails. And I ended up reaching out directly to her sending her samples and posing 
the questions to her and she agreed to send a small sample amount to the manufacturer. They agreed that it would be the last one that they would run for me. And it ended up being the perfect one. That's great. I love it when it works out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's great. So how many custom molds did you have to build in order to bring this to life? Oh, that's, that's a good question too. So we ended up with uh, five molds, I believe. One is for the valve. One is for the blow molded plastic bottle. And the rest are all for the injected molded parts that are the hard uh, plastic, the beak and the little head and the stand. And some of those we were able to family together so we could put more than one part in a tool when it made sense. Everything, I think we discussed this in our chat before, I wanted to keep manufacturing close to home. I didn't want to add the additional complication of manufacturing overseas. I knew nothing about that. I was really afraid of getting a shipment that was not what we expected and not knowing how to fix that. And also I was very mindful of, and this was before we had all the supply chain issues, I was just very mindful of the environmental cost of shipping things from far, you know, far away when our market was going to start here. So um, virtually everything but two of these parts are being manufactured in the States. That's that's great. And then where are the other parts being being made? So the other two parts, our valve and our brush, those are being made offshore in China. Yeah. Um, luckily, those parts are very, very light and fairly small. So we've been able to air freight those parts. Oh, great. Just like using DHL or FedEx or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that's great. What Were there any kind of like big moments? It sounds like there might have been a few of them. But were there any moments during the development of this packaging where you were just like, this is, this is crazy? <sighs> I think, you know... Sourcing the materials was really difficult because I told you that story about finding that perfect plastic. Yeah. And when we were ready to finally, you know, say, okay, we're actually going to, you know, pony up on these very expensive molds and we're going to bootstrap this and we're going to create, you know, we're going to bring this to market on ourselves on our own. I reached back out to several of those sources and the price had just gone up exponentially. And also the plastic for the blow molded part, the squeeze bottle was in force majeure. I'd never heard that term before. A lot of people have been hearing that phrase for the first time over the last couple of years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so it's a new word for me and I'm like, what the heck is that? And it virtually means we don't know when we're going to get it like ever. (laughs) And yeah. And we don't know how much it's going to cost. Yes. And so whatever it ends up being, you're going to be forced to pay it. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So here's like, oh my gosh, seriously, we're finally ready to go. And now everything's so much. And then of course, we did get the molds also. The majority of the mold, the injected molds are made, it were made offshore. 
So I live in Portland. There's a sister city within 30 minutes, Hillsboro. They're manufacturing or injected parts there. And they have had a very long relationship with a tooler offshore for like 20 years. And coordinating between all of us and my engineer here in town, we managed to make all the changes too that needed to be made to the mold at the very last minute, because there's always those changes as well. And then we had to pay an enormous tariff to get the molds back here, but it was still much less expensive than having the molds created here. I would not have been able to afford to go to market making the molds here in the state. Yeah, yeah, there is a, there is a significant difference between molds that are made domestically and overseas. Yeah. Especially at smaller quantities. That's another thing too. Are we getting anyone to talk to me and staying talking to me? I had lots of people that would just completely ghost me. You have to have a very strong will and small ego (laughs) (laughs) to, you know, to just keep at it, to just keep reaching out to people and, and finding a good match that's willing to work with a small manufacturer and take you seriously. And also as a woman in manufacturing as well, I think I was overlooked a time or two on, on that basis as well. Where did this conviction come from? You know, so many people have this idea, they recognize a need and they maybe start down the path of like, Oh, let's see if we can fix it. And then, you know, challenge after challenge, the more challenges there are, the harder it gets, the more people quit during that process. And it sounds like you were able to really overcome all of those and still stay persistent or humble or whatever the quality was. But at at the end, you made it and you built something that is brand new to the world that, or maybe not brand new, but, but, but certainly new and needed. What was it about that? Or where did that conviction come from? Well, as you say, I mean, it does take, there is, I am very patient. I am very determined. Um, It's not that I haven't looked at projects in the past and been finally smart enough to quit something. I think that's a good thing to know when to do when to leave all the chips at the table, even though you've you've lost a lot and when to walk away. I just have always really believed in it. I really do believe there's a need for it. And at the end of it too, I really am hoping that I've created something that will make a difference in the world in terms of, you know, single-use plastics that will actually also be a better experience for the person using it. And um, aside from my kids and my personal relationships and my purpose being here in the world, I've seen this as a purpose for me. What did your family think when you were going through all this? Just curious. Yeah. um, Well, I think we chatted about this a little bit. So my mom... Kind of, she got it when she finally like had a prototype in hand and she's like, oh, this is it. Okay. Well, this is so cute. And, um, she still doesn't understand that 
I'm really real in the market with a direct-to-consumer model at this time with our Shopify site because she keeps wanting to know when she's going to see it in the store. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not real until it's in retail. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I've even had friends take me out to lunch and maybe try to give me a little hint like, so, you know, when, how much longer are you going to be doing this? Yeah. You just have to have your own conviction. And I honestly, too, I have enjoyed the process. I'm a creative person. I'm a maker. I watched my mom make things as I was growing up. And I was just marveled. You could make something maybe out of hardly anything. I was also why I like to cook. So I, it's been difficult and frustrating. It's been challenging. There have been times that I wasn't sure what my next step was going to be, but I've enjoyed the process. And yeah, and I, I think I've made something really beautiful. And, um, and now the next step is, you know, the marketing part and, um, and continuing to let people know, you know, that we're here. Great. Well, I think your story is inspiring. Do you have any advice for anyone that's maybe listening, thinking about designing or developing something brand new? Oh, yeah, that's a good question because many times at this process, I would tell people I had invented something and, and I'm in the process of patenting it. And they would go, oh, I have an idea. Um, I'll give you my idea. <laughs> it's like I've got my hands full with my own idea. And it takes a lot of you know passion to fuel that forward. So I think belief is one thing. I also think feedback is really important too. At one point when our prototypes were far enough along, I it was very expensive, but I had a, a lot 3D modeled and put them in the hands of actual users and left gave, gave them to them for several months so they could use them repeatedly. And that gave me the most amazing feedback. And I took all of that feedback to heart and I pretty much made a change of everything that they found troublesome or that they wanted to have a better experience with. So I think consumer testing is, I would say, is really, really important to make sure that you don't go to market just completely blind with something you've been developing on your own. Great advice. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for sharing today. I really appreciate it. And um, again, if you're listening, please go to diecandy, D-Y-E-Candy.com. I think you'll uh, be impressed with what uh, Catherine has uh, invented here. Well, thank you, Brandon. This has been so fun. And I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today. And yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Okay. All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to our episode today. And a special thanks to Catherine for sharing her story and advice and insights. And again, I think her perseverance in developing and creating something new is admirable. So hope you guys agree. As always, feel free to send us your feedback, questions, recommendations. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, take good care. Bye.